And welcome to the Two Marks and a Mic podcast. I'm Phil. And I'm Joe. We're here to talk about some old school wrestling. The early 90s to about 2015. Yeah, I'm excited for it. This is a time where it was much simpler. There wasn't the devices. There wasn't all the crazy social media things going on. And it was a much simpler time. Professional wrestling was definitely on a type during that time. Exactly, I agree. It was a, it was a much more organic feel to it. The, the workers were were really passionate about the business. You could feel how they like to get in there and work, as opposed to nowadays where I feel like it's more forced. There's more story uh, telling or writing behind it. Yeah, I know that this kind of has a uh, this era has gotten sort of the reputation of being comic booky, but I think this was just '90s during that time. This is just pure '90s in your face with the colors and the production and oh, things like that. Absolutely, we're watching the first ever Raw right now and we got coco beware versus yokozuna is the first match up yeah uh the commentators for this is vincent kennedy mcmahon uh macho man randy savage this and, macho. uh yeah and rob bartlett well, i still don't know i think it was a radio personality he, i think they plugged him in just to give him something to do he <laughs> i think he was funny it's Whatever. very experimental commentary yeah. team this is the first thing that he doesn't know what's going to work what's not going to work and here we got yokozuna looking like the finished flag of the daytona 500 i'm telling you and i tell you what coco Beware was one of those like i don't necessarily want to say jobber because he was he was popular during you know the, the late 80s and the early 90s and but what like the equivalent of a mid carter would have been in a sense of like not a title holder or or things like that, uh, where he's the guy who you think would have a chance. He had like the panache. You know, he did, yeah. He could definitely get the crowd behind him. And he, I think he was a great worker. I think he's probably near top, you know. Sure. And here's the thing is that back in this time frame, this is what, this is January of 93. So you don't have a whole lot of talent to work with yet because there's still territories and things like that. Sure. And so everybody wants to be in New York, which is WWE, WWF, and there's only so many spots. Especially during that time too. And I just feel like like that roster in general was not limited i just feel like a lot of the more popular guys from the 80s were on their way out or were kind of end of contracts or but then trying to see who they were going to push the younger guys that were kind of on a hot streak coming out of that mm -hmm. golden era to say the big draws like hogan and, sure. and flair's still in the fed here at this point as yokozuna just literally throws coco beware across the <laughs> ring and then there's mr fuji very pleased the lack of talent also i think really had a thing with with how the matches went. I shouldn't say lack of talent, a smaller talent pool. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I think at this time, I think that they were trying to still sell the algorithm of big guy versus smaller guy or bad guy versus good guy. And I think this is kind of when they're starting to slowly transition to more, you know, who's kind of kind of coming into their own characters and pretty much just rewrite the history of what's about to happen here. Right. I, the next course of Raw. Exactly. And we're still... It's amazing the show's still on today. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not... doesn't hit like it did when I was eight nine ten years old but no me either like <laughs> yeah. i think at this point in time i was That's 13 is a 93 yeah that makes sense I think what got me started in WWE or F, I was, I believe it, I was living in Michigan and I remember Gorilla Monsoon coming on on Saturday morning superstars. And yeah, my first was uh, Saturday night's main event where it was the mega power split up and then the WrestleMania five. And I had no idea what I was watching. My dad put it on. And during that time, like I said, it was all like action figures and GI Joes and car Saturday cartoons. It was a much simpler time for a kid. So like wrestling was just another, another thing, another entertainment outsource to have and coco just got butt squashed <laughs> 
I felt bad for anybody who had to sell that. Well, you know, that one in Rikishi's stink face. <laughs> Here comes the, the old bonsai drop, which I guess is equivalent to a stink face, because look, his gooch is all up in there. <laughs> yeah, what a barn burner to start the first roll. Yeah, I mean, that Man, just... Man, way to kick things off. Tore the house <laughs> down. Look, it's just, there's like empty seats in there. They're like, all right. Yeah, well, those people that went to the bathroom. the bathroom. Yeah, they're, they're, in the, they're in the crapper. I tell you, the Manhattan Center, I've been to a couple Ring of Honors Manhattan Center, man, and what a place. It's uh, it's very small. The acoustics in there, you have the general mission all like standing around or whatever, and then the, up in the balconies, it's, oh man, it's crazy. Look at a very young, dashing Mike Chioda, mullet and all. Oh, so January 24th. 1993 Royal Rumble. Oh boy. Uh, Earthquake. John Tenta. Oh, that's crazy when you just look at it. I'm still around. Brett versus the Reza Ramon Chico. No, nope. that's a little advert for the Royal Rumble of 1993. There. Yeah, don't mind our tangents. Yeah, we kind of. <laughs> it's it's a squirrel moment, folks. It's still playing while we're you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel that this is just a really good time, and but you know you're talking about the size of the of the Manhattan Center and stuff. Yeah, it's probably a logistics thing, right? Sure. It's probably an easy sellout venue. And then I think not to start comparing Monday Night Wars compared to the first Nitro, which was at Mall of America in Minnesota. When you're a billionaire and you don't really have a whole lot to worry I, about. That's, that's true, too. I yeah. mean, Vince was slinging some cash there, too. I mean, he definitely wasn't poor. No, he, he wasn't throwing around those contracts like Billionaire Ted was. No, he was not. Guaranteed money. Bobby the Brain Heat. Probably my all-time favorite wrestling manager. Okay, so we're all commentators now. Who do you think is in your top slot? Uh, well, so as a kid, like, having Monsoon and Brain... Definitely, I love having Waller. It's like classic Attitude Era Jim Ross, you know. Mm -hmm. I think Jim Ross in general. Jim Ross-Heenan combo, I think that would be pretty cool. It would have been, yeah. Heenan for the funny guy and JR for the technical guy. Um, mine was probably Heenan Monsoon and then Lawler and JR. You know, I enjoyed the old Gorilla and uh, Jesse the Body Ventura. They had some good chemistry going on yeah. too back in the 80s, late 80s. Will you stop, Jess? You know, yeah, you well, yeah. <laughs> I think that was one of Monsoon's taglines. Now, WCW people mm -hmm. are actually starting to come over now to, to WWF because I remember hearing about Steiners over at WCW, but I didn't really start even paying much attention to them because I was. WWF kid. I lived in Michigan for a time, just a couple years. I was watching WWF up there. Then when I came back home to Florida, it was really hard to find wrestling because it was all WCW. Yeah. And I that stuff was abysmal to me. I want to say there was maybe like a WCW like Saturday night or something, but it was on at like it aired like one in the morning, and I couldn't even tell you what channel it was. As it was all just WWF. Territories was nice because it gave the talent a chance to move around and be fresh in a different market. That's very prevalent to what's going on. But all these guys that I believe that I loved and really wish they would have more of a prominent used well career in WWE and they did it and they released them. I'm excited for this brand new and now Punk's back. See him, you know, yeah. I know you're not a Punk guy. I know? am for his in-ring ability. From his indie days that's CM Punk to me. Nothing right. he did in WWE. Is. Well you're talking about like his Ring of Honor days. Yeah and, absolutely. Yeah stuff you know? like that right. He kind of got a raw deal. He's a He's a smaller guy, not discrediting his work. The guy's a, he's a good worker. Kind of get where he was angry at Cena because the Cena's the best wrestler. He just sold the sizzle, you know. He's like, yeah, I he guess was, this, people and, felt that way about Hogan too. You know exactly. Like, well, if people still feel that way about Hogan, yeah. I don't think that's fair. Yeah, because if you go back and you watch some Hogan matches, you know, and I am no Hogan Mark at all. I am good, absolutely. I'm not a Mark for any yeah. except maybe Shawn Michaels when I was younger. Sure. I just, I liked everybody, yeah. you know, and I booed the bad guys and I cheered the good guys. Absolutely. You know, I think, you know, you, you have a lot of really good workers back in this time frame. 
Yeah. Steiners being them, except for there's, I don't know why everybody thought a mullet was a good idea, though. Maybe Billy Ray Cyrus during that time, you know? Maybe they thought he was, like, going to start the revolution. Maybe. The movement. Maybe. The mullet movement. We got a bulldog off the top rope from Rick. So, who are these? The executioners? Executioners one and two. Some curtain jerkers from the back, I'm sure. Yeah. It's probably Vince's chauffeur. And, it's probably the Hardys. Uh, rest in peace, Joey Morello, by the way. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon's adopted son. The athleticism of the Steiners is pretty epic. You know, those guys were. I running. enjoyed that. They were. I did too. I enjoyed them as a team. I was not a big Papa Pump fan. No, absolutely not. It was just ridiculousness. Oh, here's Bobby Heenan in drag. <laughs> he's always saying, this is the part where he says he's uh, Rob Bartlett's aunt. That's right, because they wouldn't let him in. Wouldn't let him in, yeah. We got gatekeeper Sean Mooney here. Oh my gosh. Fantastic. Such classic theatrics here. Yep. I don't know who he thinks he's fooling. I mean, with that wig and stuff. But anyways, this little spot here is, is indicative of the time frame. Let's see. So we've had two matches. We had Coco Beware versus Yoko Yokozuna, Yokozuna won via the bonsai drop. Now, this was Raw. Was this before WrestleMania 9? Yes. So this is before Yokozuna's push, essentially. Like, this is where... The rumble hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I think he's still a relative newcomer. Here's a very young Vince McMahon interviewing Razor Ramon in the ring. Pretty Mac <laughs> with that red and white tuxedo. Classic. Yeah. It's fantastic. And then Razor with whatever who threw up on his shirt. It's like a Cosby sweater. I wonder what is going on through Vinnie Mac's head. Because you know how much of a control freak he is in general. And at this time where he's younger. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Vince McMahon's a control freak? Yeah. 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 Spoiler alert. So as you were saying, sorry. The first Raw. Something brand new that just going on and and live, right? Didn't they start live on the first one? Because this wasn't, the first one wasn't pre-recorded. So I want to say this one was live. I think this one may have been live. I don't rightfully know. I know a lot of them weren't live when they said they were. You know, right, later in time. That's, you could kind of tell when you see the same people in the crowd. Seven yeah. Times. I feel like there was a big transition of like him going from this to Mr. McMahon mm-hmm. character. I really think that's kind of when he became more self-absorbed. I don't know if he's as self-absorbed during this time. Not in but, character, for sure. Yeah. But in behind the scenes. He's still thinking, yeah, behind oh, the scenes. Oh, absolutely, because yeah. he's, he's got all these meatheads, right, that he's got to control. Yeah. I mean, I'm just being blunt. No, it's true. I, I heard he used to party with them all the time. Well, Maybe when you watch time, but. Dark Side of the Ring with um, the Road Warriors, the Godfather is talking about it. They were all in a strip club and Vince was partying with him at the strip club and he took everybody's finisher in the strip club, including the Doomsday Device. <laughs> on you know not in the ring whatever you've seen him wrestle in the ring the words of kurt angle you're gonna get potatoed he's gonna do his best to give you a good show so but my point is you know that he can probably handle his own with these guys yeah because i mean i remember that time when he was coming in and he tore both his quads 2005 royal rumble it was yeah. it was because of okay. cena and batista they, they both fell out of the ring at the same time yeah and then um a quad tear it's for an athlete it's a bad injury yeah absolutely like triple h coming back from one and then vince coming back from two and then and triple h's other one and his other one and then yeah. and, he, and i guess when they were doing a crown jewel he popped his peck but anyways oh this is their headlock on hunger i remember this Somalia Relief Fund. Yeah, this was... That's one thing I say about Vince is, like, you know, give, give him all the woes that you want to, but I still think he's a good dude. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just for the simple fact alone that, you know, if you worked for them, he was going to... If you had any sort of addiction, he was sending you to get the help you needed. And that still goes to this day, so, you know... Yeah. At least I, that's what I hear. And, and that just says something about him as a person, right? Oh, man, here comes Max Moon. I'm trying to remember even as like a fourth grader if I if this gimmick sold to me or not. I this did not sell to me in the slightest. Like I kind of thought this was a little ridiculous. Mulleted HBK. Yeah. And I think he really came into his own 
when he got the IC title for the first time. Oh, 100%. When, yeah. as, you know, as soon as he put Marty Jannetty through the barbershop window, yep. I was like, that was it. I was yep. like, all right, they're going to ride this kid to the moon. And they did. And, Absolutely. It, you know, and if it wasn't for HBK 96, we wouldn't have what we got now. You know, yeah, I mean, I, I Mick Foley put it put it best when he said that he was the glue that held the company together. Yep. He's going to go out and do his best, but you can know, like, if you need, you need someone for a big match. That's right. And if you see, like, during this era, they really didn't have too many big main eventers. I mean, a lot of the older guys were on their way out, and the popular guys were on their way out. Right. And the new guys just weren't there yet. What, you know, if, if, if you've been a fan as long as as long as you and I have been fans, you get to the point to where you're like, okay, well, we understand that not everybody's always ready at all times. Right. You know, if you give a guy a push before he's ready, you, it could be disastrous for the guy. And I definitely think I understand that now at a much older age. Mm -hmm. But I also think as a kid, I had no clue. I didn't even pay attention to any of that, you know, because it was just purely for, like, entertainment. entertainment. So it kind of gives it a different perspective when you go back and you rewatch it. As an adult. Yeah. Or, in our case, giant man Man Man-child, yes. That sounds about right, yes. (laughs) Um, Max Moon is tearing down the house. Great seller, Michaels, man. He He always was. was. He could do it all. Him not being your classic big guy. Stop marking out about Michaels. That's okay. So it's here for, buddy. That's why we're doing this. But the uh, and speaking of which, you know, I think what you uh, something you alluded to earlier on, being as a you know all the bright colors of the of the, of the costumes or, or wrestling gear, the personalities and stuff like that, it really appealed to a child. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. I Some, mean that, that's what was on. Like you know, this is like the nine hundred two one zero days, the big hair mm-hmm. days. Like, yeah. You know, every- so I mean, you can guarantee that Michaels is probably going to have a better match on the card than anybody else. Guys do that all the time, like your Bret Hart's, your Stephen Regals, and guys like that. And I, I always understood why during this time, like when Michaels first kind of slowly was starting his heel turn, even when he first got the IC strap, they would always put him on the first match of like WrestleManias. And I was like, very rarely did you get, even as like in the younger, early WrestleManias, did you have the IC strap the first match? Like well, it was somewhere in the mid card or whatever, started heating it back up again program gets to the main event and you know right. but well i think that sean said it best he goes you make the title the title doesn't make you i think wrestlemania nine eight or nine is coming up. his match is the first second match yeah like especially wrestlemania nine when he wrestled the tonka i think that was literally the yeah, first yeah, match and, yeah and i think uh eight he did uh, el matador the first match i believe yeah, wrestlemania nine which was the undertaker's match with uh, like, gonzalez yeah, John, uh, that was a terrible match <laughs> and then he, I, this so, must be before wrestlemania nine because doink yeah He's, first started coming, and I remember he made his heel first of all against Crush. Right. Uh, I, I think this is kind of where like, who's this guy in the crowd? If you watched him work in any of his matches on any Raw, he was probably the most technically sound wrestler of this era. I, I mean, even more so than Bret Hart. Yeah, I agree. You know, I'd, uh, you watch this guy work, and he's like, he's just phenomenal. I remember thinking that too as a youngster about uh, he was a lot of like the the. the stretch the the old school Stu Hart type you know stretching them out and headlocks yeah. and you know they that, call them shooters yeah exactly and you know it wasn't so much of like constantly moving and flowing and you know not quite high flyers but not really aggressive either it's just more of staying on top of them and more methodical I guess it's Matt Osborne so, I, get, I give it to you thanks buddy appreciate it Everybody can sleep. I don't sleep know better millions right upon millions listening to us right now will the but dozens I, and I will. dozens our wives, at least. 
Yeah. <laughs> Our two wives, yes. Thank you for supporting us. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, we got Shawn Michaels is on top at the moment, uh, surprisingly, over Max Moon. The era of mat wrestling. Um, there's not a lot of spots. You know, and by spots, I mean, like, you know, hurricane ranas and, and arm drags and all that stuff. Everyone was, it was really low-key, and they kept it. I think there was a safety issue there, too. Because back in this time frame, if you got hurt, you didn't work, you didn't get paid. Plus, so. these are only hour-long shows, too. So, there's only, you're only going to do three matches. That's six guys if they're singles that are actually getting spots so. exactly and it's like see this one here is check my notes it is we are we have one more match after this in this time frame you couldn't you actually had to work i think that was original point was is you know you could just grab a chair get a quick pop you and know? kayfabe was still heavily in play during this time hugely you know? yeah this was this was prior to the msg incident and if you want to maybe the novice listeners who just randomly found us on some random ad or coming up in their for you pages what does kayfabe mean phil kayfabe means it was the hidden part of the of the wrestling business from the generalized public so you didn't know at this point in time that Shawn michaels and max moon that's exactly what's about had had a conversation about how this match was going to go uh prior to and you really believe that damian demento was from the outer regions of your mind. You're not supposed to know that after this match, Sean and Max Moon went in the back and played a game of cards and had a cup of coffee together. Knowing Sean at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> keep it a PG. <laughs> well, I mean, you can say beer. Oh, yeah, I was gonna think of you know his other other vice. You know, I, well, I guess this, is, this is before his back issues. I mean, you know, I think he had may have had a slight knee injury before this, but you know, right. yeah. shockingly, HBK won that match. Real yeah. barn burner. Yeah, I always enjoyed WWF's commercials. Yeah, well, this they, is, they this put is effort a, into it. This is a very shining deal to it, doesn't it? <laughs> this is for this is a Saturday, a Saturday morning uh, t- uh, show. Mania. Oh, Mania! Yeah, that's yeah. right. This Pettengill show, wasn't it? Yeah, old Toddy Pettengill. Yeah. And I, I'm pretty sure that, yeah, because it was at 10 a.m. and it was on before Superstars was, I think, was on at noon or yeah. something like that. I remember. That's right, Damien Demento. Yeah. Yeah, Damien Demento. The Undertaker. Yeah. I don't. What a main event. Yeah. I mean, you know, for your first role, I think you're doing well. Uh, for what you had, you know. Undertaker, everybody knows who he is and how long his career lasted. Oh, Mean Gene Okerlund. Pimping the Ico Pro. The Ico Pro. Yeah, now, were they still doing that whole... Uh, w- no, well, no, this is way past WBF phase, I believe, but Ico Pro was still heavily much a sponsor in their stuff. No, actually, WBF is still a thing. Cause oh, that's right, because Luger did Because Luger uh, comes in as the right. narcissist. Oh, snap. Royal oh, Rumble. Yeah. Genetti what a good rumble, Michael. man! I can't wait till we cover this rumble. I know it's gonna be fantastic, but yeah. So Taker versus uh, Damian Demento. So this version of Undertaker is my favorite. I uh, I agree. I, the way I break down Undertaker is this: I break down under the Undertaker, which is the gray and black, and Purple Taker is the purple. Yep. And then you have um, I call it the Devil Taker yep. because he was like you know the whole Ministry of Darkness thing. Yep. And then you have Biker Taker. Then you go back to like Dead Man Taker. Yeah, the American badass. Yeah, which is and he you know, there was one I was just like was yeah, and he was just kind of a combo. This is no disrespect to Mark Calloway in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Um, he says he never broke character. I believe it. You, you don't think that the American badass was a was a, a yeah. character breaking from sure. the? I think he, maybe he meant that more of like behind the scenes, outside, you know, the ring or whatever. I, but I do agree with you in that certain extent. Mm-hmm. Because it was like almost like a completely rebranding, yeah, type deal. And well, I think every time he returned from an injury, he did something different. Mm. Uh, like I know when I he agree. came, I think it was because it was hip. He had to have his hip resurfaced, and that was when he was doing the Lord of Darkness, mm. the Ministry angle thing. Because if you if you watch that era, and you he only wrestles four times in that time frame. If he stuck with the gray and black the entire career, it would have been stale as hell. 
that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. How long do you, you know? Yeah, I mean, and I think maybe that was a time because when you started hitting the the mid, uh, you know, to later '90s, it was much more of a grungier time, you know. But not Absolutely. to say that Undertaker was a bubblegum gimmick, you know. But it's like how. Aren't you gonna buy it because the kids now who are familiar with him are now older, right? Are. And he's not oozing from Elderhide from his pores, and everybody yeah. really knows that, you know what I mean? It's like just like Yokozuna is not really from Japan, right? Which he sold that character because I, I mean, I bit it for a long time in my life, and I was like, wait, what really missed this era of wrestling to a degree? I mean, you know, the hokiness is something I could have give or take. I kind of feel that way rewatching it because you know, we've we watched a lot of old school wrestling the last couple months, and that going back now being you know 39 and you know in our 40s like watching it it's obviously it doesn't sell like it does when you're first seeing absolutely you get to the point where it's talking about being stale it's just that's why with in any character you have to evolve especially when it comes to wrestling like you know do you think triple h would have would have done the aristocrat thing it would have it would have faltered another year and a half out because you know, it's just, it's it's an unbelievable gimmick. For so long. For so long. That's why I say that the, the Undertaker thing, if he hadn't changed, it would have been stale and it would have died off. Like a lot of other gimmicks. I don't know. I don't really like to say gimmicks. Characters, I would probably say. Well, I've during that time. Duke the Dumpster Drozzy. Yeah. Uh, Mantar comes to mind. <laughs> the goon. Yes. The goblet gooker. Yeah. I think oh, God that, that was. was, way he was no, he thought he was going to be the goblet gooker. He did. Yeah. He's like, Vince is like, Undertaker there? And he goes, well, that's not the third. <laughs> So, so Bobby Heenan trying to now he's playing a like rabbi, a Jew or something. Or? It's, I think it's just going rabbi. He doesn't have the curly cues. So <laughs> and now they have some people out there hanging out with him, making just egging him on a little bit. Love Bobby Heenan. But yeah, I think the the art of a manager is lost these days. You know. It's not, I think it is a necessity because if you have someone who really can't get over on their own. Oh, 100%. Especially you know. like Mike's skills. And oh, absolutely. Like they, can, you think, they can push him over. Right. I think Kamala didn't need a manager. I think he did. No. So, you know, it's, I try not to Wikipedia these guys too much because a lot of them are very sad. But what was yeah, that guy in the mask's name? What the heck? Do you remember what that was? Yeah, well, much matter, I guess. But this is kind of when they're giving Kamala his last little like face push. You know, for someone, speaking of longevity and such, you get someone like Harvey Wempelman. Yeah. Been around for a long time. I don't know if he's still, I don't think he's still a thing. Oh boy, Damien Demento. I'm getting ready for this barn burner. Yeah, I know. This is going to, this is going to be so much sizzle and not a lot of steak. Instead <laughs> of talking to himself. What, what kind of haircut would you call that, Joe? It's not really like a, uh, not like a reverse mullet, but <laughs> I don't <laughs> I mean, it's, it's. I guess if it was in a ponytail, it could be just like a horse tail, I guess. But would you think a baldlet? What'd you say? A baldlet? Because it's bald but still a mullet. Maybe. Yeah. The combo of the two. Yeah. That's. I. One thing, side note. I never understood why Undertaker's tie was the width of like his shoulders. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. Can we talk about his like ungodly big time? Yeah, it's almost comical, isn't it? Is I it, mean, yeah, and then it just and it's ridiculous. like it, and then it's like a freaking clip on. Uh, yeah, it's you know, like Velcro or something. You think his gloves got really hot? Like, like do you think that would be the equivalent of I've, just like wrestling in dishwasher gloves? You know, you're not wrong. It just seems it's, like hot rubber. It, I mean, well, it's, it's leather. So it's gonna. No, that's true. It, that it's like is big well, owners. You no know, Survivor Series '96 came back as the Dracula looking Taker, and uh, it was he just wrestled in all leather. That lasted yeah. for about three weeks. I don't I know how he pulled that, that off. That was an awkward Undertaker. Yeah, time. it was, and he had the buns on his hair. Looking like Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, oh, I don't know why they were. I don't know how much creative control Taker had. 
at this point in time? Probably not much. Yeah. Probably not much. Well, I've got to think he was in the, the, the Federation forever. Now, he did get, I would see the clout in the locker room clout. But I bet you, I bet you Brett had the locker room clout back at this time. Or maybe. Uh, well, you also have to think Hogan was still here, too. He yeah, just wasn't Hogan's as prevalent. still here. Macho's still there. Mm-hmm. They haven't jumped their uh, ship to Atlanta yet. It's coming, though. Oh, yeah. You know, that's the thing is, like, people do give Hogan a bunch of crap. and I don't blame him one bit. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, nothing left to prove. You're already kind of, you know, pushing the age, but you're you're it, you're slowing down now. It's time to slow down. And when you can do half the work and travel half the time and get paid, you know, triple the money. Exactly. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. I don't know what his contract was when he, when he left WWF to go to WCW. The appeal to him to go to WCW was the heel turn. Yeah. You know? And then also Nash and Hall. And that guaranteed contracts. Um, you know, I read mm-hmm. a tw- couple times Bischoff's book, and he was just talking about these these guaranteed money, these guaranteed contracts. Right. And that's that's how he was just getting all these guys to go over there because they knew it was just like they knew what they came from and you know they 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 got the notoriety and the popularity but they didn't have to work 300 days a year. Exactly, you know? Taker is obviously victorious here on the inaugural Raw. So I think that's probably going to wrap this up for us. We're gonna go and and this is good to relive this stuff and it's basically at the end of the day we watch these old school times and we want you to have the feeling you had. Of simpler times to get away from all the nonsense that's happening. I mean, that's why we're doing it. That's why exactly. we're watching these and talking together and giving us an excuse to hang out. Pretty much. Just keeping it old school. So and we will try to keep this going on weekly, and uh, we will talk about, you know, different things. We won't maybe not necessarily go in every order of every Raw and switch it up with pay-per-views and, you know, yeah. even... Probably do some watch-alongs and things of that nature, too. It's whatever we feel like doing, basically. Yeah. You know why? Podcast. And you know why? Because it's our world. <laughs> and then until people other than our wives start listening to us. We're going to do yeah. what we want to do. <laughs> so there. But thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, appreciate you checking us out. And more to come in the future.